What makes someone bold and brilliant? How do we each connect with our unique spark? What are the trials that we're willing to go through to pursue what's really important to us? My name is Hannah Anam, and I'm the co-organizer for TEDx Centennial Park Women. Our mission is to make Atlanta a city where women thrive. At our recent TEDx event, we got the opportunity to ask change makers, innovators, and really anyone with a great story to share it. Welcome to this story. TEDx just has such a great reputation, you know, for inspiring ideas. You always want to learn and be thinking about different areas of your life where you can improve and just make change and, you know, um, be grateful for the things that you already have, but also think about what can I be doing better and what can I be um, be working on and be inspired to go think about. So it's great to have, It's it was a wonderful opportunity to be able to share something that I'm very passionate about, but also to learn about so many other things that other people are passionate about. And have you already spoken or is, is that still gonna happen? Yeah, I spoke this morning. You did, so yeah. what was your, what, what did you talk about? So my topic today was demystifying blockchain, which okay. is a lot to, to fit into 12 minutes. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it's similar to the internet or cloud computing, right? Nobody cared about the internet until you were able to articulate what can it do for you, right? Nobody cares about cloud computing except for the fact that my email is hosted in the cloud and all these other things are hosted in the cloud and I don't have to have a huge amount of computing power sitting under my desk like I used to. So I think, you know, it's it's incumbent upon those of us in the industry to educate and to say, look, blockchain, I'm not going to give you a bits and bytes and here's exactly how it works and, you know, all of the technical details of it, but I'm going to give you perhaps some hope as to how you can use it today, but also how you can think about using it in the future. So how do you approach a talk like that? Because obviously, you know, blockchain is is a very conceptual, you know, process in, in, in a lot of ways. My dad works for IBM and I've okay. heard him talk about blockchain a few times <laughs> and I yes. usually have a headache after because yes. you know and so going into a topic that is relatively innovative still to a point where it's we don't exactly know exactly where it's going to end up what is your approach in demystifying blockchain yeah i think it's trying to think about where are people where do people want to use it in their lives right not just if, if everything is great today and all your things, all your systems work exactly how you'd like them to work, perfect. You don't need innovation, right? But there are some systems that aren't really working for the everyday person. Those things include how the internet works today, right? A lot of how the internet works today is very consolidated. And you have a few companies who own most of the advertising revenue, own most of your data, they have a monopoly on it. They can sell it to whoever they want to sell it to. And they can also let it get hacked by whoever tries to hack it. You know, not everyone is successful, but a lot of it gets stolen. And so you have this consolidation of power among a few internet companies. And people are starting to say, you know, maybe I do value my privacy a little bit more than, um, than you know, I have in the past, or maybe I shouldn't be letting these big companies monetize me and monetize my data. Maybe I want to think about how that's actually happening, and maybe I want to use blockchain and distributed ledger technology to say, let me take back a little bit of that control, right? Let me use some of those systems that allow me to have 
visibility into who I share that data with and how I share that data. Um, so again, it's not about this is how a blockchain works, but this is this is about changing the status quo and thinking about is it okay for Facebook to have all my data or do I want to try out a social network where my, my friends, each of us has you know a record of that data on a database, no central entity has it. Um, and so you know, unless you're a data scientist or your buddy is a data scientist, nobody's mining that for um, you know for dollars. I don't think I have any data scientist friends. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to take it back a little bit and talk about your early career. And I wanted to ask you if you could travel back in time and give yourself some advice when you first started out, what would you say to that person? Um, gosh, so many things. <laughs> but, you know, I think a couple things. One is... Um, don't be so anxious about wanting to know exactly what you're going to do because what I'm doing today didn't exist when I started my career. Uh, not only the, the role, but the technology. Um, be open to trying new things and you know make sure that they are always things that inspire you and you never know when those things are going to be useful in your future career. So be willing to take those risks, especially early on in your life, because they, you know, they will benefit you in some way. You don't know what that's going to be. You have no idea. Um, it's okay to make mistakes. I think, especially for women, it is, you know, you want to find the perfect job. You want to do, you know, your best or be perfect at it. And, um, you know, it's not like when you come out of school, right? There are no A's. There are no grades. Um, you know, there are a lot of times no right answers. And so, you know, you can trust that gut and, and also be okay with knowing that uncertainty and, and be okay with taking those risks, especially early on. Absolutely. I mean, that, I, I like what you said about, you know, there not being any grades and stuff. We both recently graduated um, this past May. And, oh, congratulations. You know, thank you. And, and, you know, just kind of being out in the real world, you're like, man, it, I kind of liked it when, you know, we were in class and if you had a test, you <laughs> right. pretty much knew exactly what you needed to do. And we couldn't do that. I, you know, right. even that was hard. So, I mean, coming out of here, not really having any guidelines and learning to be comfortable with that. I think you hit it right on the nail. That That's what you have to do. Um, was there ever a point in your career that you were faced with a lot of self-doubt and and, and, you know, if so, how did you how did you overcome that conflict? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a point as much as a continuum. OK, um, I think. And again, I'll, you know, I know I sound like a broken record. I think for women, there is always probably more self-doubt. I also work in an industry. I've worked in tech since I graduated from school. That industry is 80 to 90 percent male. And so there is probably an even higher level of self-doubt when you are other, right? When you don't look like everybody else, you don't sound like everybody else, you don't fit in in the normal ways that everybody else fits in. Um, it's easy to think, am I doing the right thing? You know, am I even supposed to be here? And I think the more that you talk to people and the more that you educate yourself, you understand everybody has that, right? Some people are much better at the posturing and are better at sort of concealing that. But, um, you know, 
knowing your stuff, making sure that you're prepared, all those things that, um, you know, you don't have tests, but all those things that you learn in school in terms of the preparation and the research and doing your homework and, and, you know, trying to gather as much data as you can to make the right decisions along the way. I think you grow your confidence when you realize that that process does work over time and you realize that putting in the hard work and putting on in all the things that you don't see behind the scenes does pay off. And how do you think that men in the tech, technical field, since it is such a you know, male-dominated field, how do you think that they can become allies to women and really push for more diversity from their end as well? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think it is um, it is being aware of that, right? So I have I am blessed that I work with some great colleagues who recognize when that happens and immediately call that out. And so being the champion and the supporter in the room, so the woman is not the only one who has to always say it, is so helpful. That's fantastic. And you know, the theme of this conference is bold and brilliant. So. Could you talk about a time in your life when you felt bold and brilliant? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I, I am always working with companies that are sort of on the cutting edge, right? And I have to remind myself of that because it's an exciting place to be, but it's also a place where you can go, whoa, I have no idea what, what is going on here. Right. So then when you go out in the real world and you do have conversations with people and you say, oh, wait a minute, I actually do know what I'm talking about. And there are interesting things that people are doing. And, you know, there is an opportunity to to share that. So I think every time I have a conversation with someone who is outside of that realm and who's not immersed in some of these technologies every day, it is exciting to go and share those things and to say, wait a minute, these are, you know, these are great concepts and I get the opportunity to educate other people on them. A special thanks to our guests, our team, our sponsors, and of course, the wonderful Audiographies team who produced this podcast for us. Please join our community at TEDx Centennial Park Women to help Atlanta be a city where women thrive.